Welcome to Money Making Conversation. As you know, I'm the host, Rashawn McDonald. I tell people every time they listen or watch this show, it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about gifts and purpose. If you have a gift, lead with your gift. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. You know I'm on my show, I interview celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and people I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is Kelvin Truitt. Truitt is a barber to the stars, you hear me? An interior designer, creative director, and a host of a very popular open mic for expiring and established artists in Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> Kelvin's clients have included, I'm talking from the hair standpoint, because I can't talk. Back in the day, I used to have a barber like Kelvin, you know, but I've lost all that hair, so I just talk to my barber all the time now. Common's one of the clients, Sugar Ray Leonard, Wayne Brady, David Oyelowo, uh, Kirk Franklin, the Golden State Warrior, whoo, Golden State Warrior, Amber Riley from Glee, from Glee Dwayne Brown at Offensive Tackle, Seattle. Big old boy sitting in that chair. And comedian Karen Hart. To its first Friday's monthly open mic night, artists have included Jordan Sparks, Common, Elvana, Kenny Lattimore, Gary Brewer, D1 and El Jabbar, and my girl Yvonne Orgy from Insecure. Kevin fell in love with country music. And I'm going to tell you, see, that's the whole thing. He in California now. See, one thing I ever understand that California, he's talking about country western music. I'm from Houston, Texas, so. We're going to talk about that now. In college, doing his long drive to visit his family. As a strong spiritual leader in his community, he aims to use his unique sound and approach to heal and empower others, because he's an entrepreneur too, as he shares his own life struggles and transitions. He's got a reason to sing, y'all, and he's on Money Making Conversation to tell us about it. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my man, Kelvin Truitt. How you doing, sir? And I'm doing wonderful, man. Thank you so much for having me and to the audience of Money Making Conversations, man. It's great to be here. Well, first of all, you know, uh, Kelvin, you're an entrepreneur, to my understanding. Couldn't have my little backstory. My my younger brother, he spent time in the military. He lives in Washington, D.C. He has four barber and beauty salons in the D.C. area. So and when COVID hit, man, whoo, you know, brother, you know, all I can do is pray for him. You know, and then he had to set up all these separation curtains and plastics in his business and had to wait to get permission because that type of business was hit the hardest because you had such a close relationship with your client. Tell us about you in the beauty and barber business. Tell us about that transition that hit your business so hard. When I say transition, we're talking about COVID-19 pandemic. Tell us about it. Just walk us back to that a few few months back. Yeah, so... um. Uh, at that at that point of time, I was in the uh, in the management and ownership uh, position mm-hmm. in my company. So um, I had it I had it made in terms of what most uh, barber entrepreneurs want, which is that the shops are running themselves. Yes, the sir. barbers are thriving. The clients are happy. Um, and when pandemic hit, I was told we have to shut down indefinitely and that um, we had to stay six feet apart. As you know, it's impossible to cut someone's hair from six feet away. And what that did, it put me in a unique position because um, my finances was affected, my passive income. I was used to going to the shops and picking up the booth rent. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it presented a moral challenge for me. Do I still charge people booth rent for a booth that they cannot use? Right. And in my case, the answer was no. I didn't feel like it was right. Um, And it cost me a lot of money. It cost me to shut down a few locations. It cost me to reconsider how I showed up in the industry at all because um, I felt their pain. I I stood behind a chair 
for 19 years myself mm-hmm. and to, um, to have to pay for a chair that you can't use due to pandemic and to be charged for it. To me, it just was, like I said, morally uh, not right to collect from something that I knew couldn't be used. So after a few months of that, like I'm collecting zero, but uh, the landlords at the properties, they still needed to collect everything. And so it affected my pockets uh, and it affected me mentally too, because what I once was, um, I wasn't that anymore, Right. you know? And yeah, so it was a a difficult challenge. And, you know, I, I definitely salute your brother who, and many others in this industry that had to make those quick adjustments to continue to serve the public. And then it kept changing. You know what I'm saying? Right. So this week it was 25% capacity. Right. Next week it was, um, you have to have up all these partitions and, and separating devices and cleaning protocol that the owners had to spend money on, you know, mm-hmm. and that money just didn't appear. You know, a lot of people had to make sacrifices um, to get those things done in hopes of keeping their business running. And then the business, it, the laws are change again. And right. it goes from 25% capacity to no indoor activity in shops around the nation were putting chairs on the, on the outside of their premises. But the barbershop culture I come from, man, people don't pay you to cut their hair outside. Right. You know, they pay for the comfort. They pay for the camaraderie. They pay for the air conditioning. Even the barbers, like how can I charge them money to cut outside? Right. They're not even using the electricity. So it was a very difficult transition, but, uh, but we made it, you know? Absolutely. I'm talking to Kelvin Truitt, a celebrity barber to the stars, uh, entrepreneur, media host. You know, the the interesting thing about uh, being a barber, because, you know, I've lived that life. I can still remember my first haircut when my my dad (laughs) set me down. I got an ivory lead. That's what I got. Cut all my hair off, you know, but you can just see a little hair left. That was my first first haircut. You got got my little part right there. I was looking good. Got out that chair. Come on. You couldn't tell me nothing, Kevin. I had my little part. I wore that part probably all the way through middle school before I realized I was tired of that part in my hair. But, (laughs) but, But really, being a barber in general, because now you went to management, that had to be, uh, that's a good for your career, but you still lost some of that camaraderie, that spotlight, that interaction. Talk about that transition because, you know, you can you can rise in success, but you can lose something socially as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so there's a scripture that come to mind, um, like uh, my faith practice has been uh, Christian. And so I read the Bible and, and Jesus talks about these parables. And one of them is in the vineyard, right, where the person who plants the vineyard doesn't actually work the vineyard. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You you plant it and you leave space for others to come in and 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 work work and receive the benefits of the vineyard. And so when I really uh, understood that, it, it became the primary difference between being a business owner and being self-employed. Being self-employed meant that I worked in the vineyard. I owned it and I worked in it. Being a business owner meant that I planted the vineyard and I empower others to work and and till the soil of that ground. So what it meant for me was another, it it meant the level up for my, um, for my business pursuit, but it it did cost me social capital. It cost relationships. It cost, you know, your client, you've been cutting for 10 years. Now it's calling on you and you are not available um, to do that part of what you do anymore, you know? And so it does cost you for, for me, there were friendships that were built over right. the cushion of the barber chair. 
you know? And so when I transitioned to no longer standing behind the chair, um, sometimes the, the friendship was injured. Um, and now I'm at a point where, uh, so I still cut hair on the side. I right. still serve um, the clients and, and now I'm doing music and I'm having to face that kind of intersection <laughs> where it's like, Hey, we love you. We especially love you cutting our hair, right? you know? And, um, and it's, it's hard sometimes. It takes a lot of bravery on my part and a lot of acceptance um, to just say, I'm choosing to live the life I want to live. Um, that's, uh, I can model That's important to you. That's important to you. It's important to me. Then and your I think family. That, I, that everybody needed too. Mm-hmm. You know something, Kelvin, I, I, you know, I'm going to tell you something. The only time I cut hair, man, I was pleasing to make a sci-fi. And this is big, I'm telling you something, man. The big brother came to me, man, and said, cut my hair. You know, brother, I'm going to tell you something, man. My my hand was shaking so hard because, you know, that edge line, that, that's the key to a great barber, man. That edge line, you know, that separates you. And that's that's where you that's where the game changes, I think, when you start talking about good barbers and great barbers. Is that is that how you ed, they create those edge lines? What really makes a great barber? I guess I should ask you that, Kelvin. Because you uh, you get a reputation and then people go, man, he cuts because you, you there is a difference now. But I'm I'm gonna step back and just tell you about my bad experience. Didn't go well because I was I was pledging and I was trying to cut a big brother who really didn't care anything Ooh. about me. So I never was gonna win in the haircut business. And I should have been trying to cut his hair anyway, but he asked me to. But you are a great barber. What makes a great barber and what makes it what 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 are like three or two or three things that can really set you apart in that barber's chair? Okay, so um for me, what makes a great barber is consistency. Mm-hmm. Can you do what I like every single time I come to see you? Right. Right. Uh, it, when each client feels that are you consistent, I think that's what makes a great barber. Mm-hmm. Um, a good barber is going to have the ability to to execute a haircut, and you go, "Oh, yo, they're good." Right. But when great, it's like, yo, every single time I come to see Kelvin, and in my case, Jalan, it's consistently the same quality. Um, some tips that I feel like uh, set me apart is speed, right? Right. Um, I've worked in, uh, like you mentioned earlier, with high-profile clients in some of the biggest moments of their careers. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, I, I have 15 minutes to do what I do best. Yes. I don't have the luxury of the 45 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So to deliver my product consistently mm-hmm. in a short amount of time, I've really developed my speed to mm-hmm. where... We do have an interaction. We do have um, a high quality uh, grooming experience. Right. And we also only have this short amount of time. So awesome, brother. Oh. What sets me apart for the rest is, mm-hmm. hey, if you got 20 minutes, man, we got an opportunity to do something really impactful. For me, it's been speed. Um, for others, it's how you um, may enhance a client's look. Uh, I don't know who's cutting uh, Jalen Rose hair, but let me tell you, it was a clear difference. On TV, every day I watch ESPN, it was a clear difference when the barber changed because they enhanced his look um, incredibly that it that it bought uh, more yeah, attention. The edge line's powerful. Powerful. And, and and it's a different power than I felt before. You right, know what right, I mean? right, right. I think right. it was a changing of the, of the guards, you know, and there's a lot, of, a lot of barbers I respect across the country that are doing that and bringing uh, their unique uh, abilities into the barbering industry to make it uh, one that's appreciated and valued. Oh, you know, the thing about it, like, I, you know, I was a stand-up comedian, so I was traveling all over this country, you know, 
Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I got my hair cut in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, New York, Florida, Georgia, Milwaukee. All barbers are not created equal. I'm just telling yep. y'all that right now. They're not created equal. Some of them talk too much. Some of them don't know how to give you an edge. Some of them don't, you don't know the different type of hairstyles and all that stuff. Now, the one thing I don't like is a barber that talks too much. I just want to get in that chair, Kelvin, get my hair cut. I don't mind a little chatter, a little chatter. But just, just going to keep, I when I say talking to other people, people sitting in the chair, not showing me personal attention. That really is important when you sit in that chair because I know we're going to talk about other things, but I because you are a celebrity barber, you know there are certain rules to being a great barber, and one of them is focused on the client. Focus on the client. Yes, sir. And 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 pretty much understanding what their unique needs are. So yes. in your case, you're like, hey, speed is a prime priority for me. Right. Um, I have clients um that uh that that's not the case where they do want the connection. This yes. is their one time, the one that, that where they don't have a camera in their face. This is the one time that they get to connect with somebody and sit still without mm-hmm. doing what it is that they do. So it's important for me to not just come in and and just get through the cut, but to give them uh, that personal connection, that brotherhood, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. Um, I, I bring up my, my, I call him my brother, my friend, Common. Um, there's a lot of times, man, we break bread as friends mm-hmm. over the haircut. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then there's also times where it's like, hey, we got to get this cut done and get out of here or, or get him ready for, for a stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, my job is to come in and really evaluate and take his temperature on what his highest needs are that day. Wouldn't make sense for me to come in um, when he needs social encounter. Wouldn't make sense for me to come in and give him a quick cut or if he needs a quick cut for me to come in and tell him about uh, all of this stuff that I could wait for a later time. So understanding that and giving that consistent product, that consistent experience while giving the client what they need. But you're right that talking too much stuff um, is... (laughs) You know, Ooh, I, dude. I, I, I have my, my, my share. We're getting on my nerves. Shut you know, up, dude. Can you just shut up? Like, man, because you're a stand-up comedian for real. I have I have some stand-up comedians that I've encountered that cut hair. It'd be like, no one signed up for the show. No one bought tickets. Right. Um, but they do want a haircut. Absolutely. We will be right back with more money-making conversation with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversation with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's turn, let's slide on over to the music, man. You know, because you, I, I love the fact that was the entrepreneurial side of you. But then let's go slide to the, the entertainment side because we also want to talk about the spiritual side of you because that all connects because of faith drives you and also can keep you focused. But the country music side of you, because whenever I hear country music, you know, I always hear about, I'm, I'm from Houston, Texas, so I'm always a Texas, you know, Oklahoma Tennessee, Georgia type country western person. But that's not how you fell in love with country western. You way on the west coast fell in love with country western. Talk about how that connection came about and how is it driving your success as an entertainer in 2021? Yes, sir. Uh, That's a great question. Loaded one as well. Um, I would drive um, from L.A. to Sacramento, which is probably about a six-hour drive um, during my early years of college, I was the first um, person in my family to attend a four-year university and move away from home and do that. Congrats. But my roots came from home. Mm-hmm. Um, I would drive home to see my parents. I would drive home to hang with my friends, to recharge, because I was in a whole new city. And those drives got longer and longer. So I would you know, go through the radio station and I found myself 
consistently on the country radio stations through these little kind of central California towns. And they mm-hmm. have some really good country stuff. And I found myself singing the songs, but I, you know, like you said, I'm from the West Coast, so I try to, hey, when I'm singing in the shower, I sing it with a little swag on it. You know, right, I sing right, it with, right. you know, uh, where the beat is a little bit more clear, and but the stories really impacted my life. Mm-hmm. It, it, I said, I want to have that type of impact because I was not, that's, I, I wanted to be, if I did anything in music, I wanted to be a rapper, right? Right. A lot of mm-hmm. people sing in the shower. Not, when I was a kid, I used to rap in the shower. I used mm-hmm. to do freestyle battles in Sacramento and at lunchtime. Like, uh, you know, I was a punchline rapper. So um, if it can captivate a person like me um, with that music palette, with these stories, when I um, had this deep passion in my heart to do music through my life's uh, circumstances, you know, um, I went to a genre that had impacted me most. I've heard plenty of great rap albums. So right. many. Mm-hmm. Uh, R&B is my jam. I can, uh, but it wasn't my life experience, so I wasn't connecting to the music I loved the most. I was drawn to the stuff that impacted me the most, and that was in the country genre, you know. So I'm doing it um, now. I'm doing it in a way that I wish I could have heard it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I you probably- know, it, it just you say this because I remember because Steve Harvey and I was doing radio. And the, the, the beat, 92.3, back in 2000. Yeah. That's when we came on the air there. And at about that same time, that's when uh, Nelly popped out. You know, E-I, mm-hmm. E-I. You know, and so I was, uh, I always felt he was a, a country artist, you know. Mm-hmm. even though, But they just threw him in rap. And believe me, he made a lot of money as a rapper. Now he slid back to where I think his true roots are, country and, right. country music. And he's bringing a lot of people in that lane, and then uh, Nas X, you know, he, uh, he's doing his thing. And uh, and but when when you when you look at what you're trying to do as a as a potential artist, you know, does the what Nelly has done, and what you see in the transition, the acceptance of African American talent in the genre of country western, is it just the right time for you to step out there and do your music? Do you if where you can feel comfortable that it's going to be accepted not by just the black community or the young community? But the country and Western country music community, I should say. Yeah, for sure. And I'm so glad you brought up Nelly, man. I, I, I want to work with Nelly. Um, I look forward to collaborating with him. But he was one of the people that really made it cool to um, to just embrace what you like. With Absolutely. The country, country Grammar album, the way he sings, the way everything. And, and what he's doing now, he's bringing other artists on. Kane so Brown. Yeah, Kane, come on, Kane killing right now, man. And then uh, Mickey Guyton, um, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Uh, Willie Jones Jr. The, these are all uh, black people, black faces that's doing the music in a way that's right for them. And so it opened up the door for me to be uh, just a little bit more bold about it and just say, hey, you know, um, I want to sing my song. You know, I want to I want to uh, do that. But I think Nelly is a gatekeeper for uh, black uh, country artists in general. Um, who want to do mainstream music in a um, in a tr- in a way that's not traditionally done by black artists? So, man, a hundred percent yes. I salute Nelly, um, and you know, y'all y'all look out for when me and Nelly uh, put this record together. It's going to well, be well, Kevin. I, I, I'm all good with you. Like I said, you know, my whole thing is that I just don't want to just be one or two. I want to be a, a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because it's always, yeah. you know, I go all the way back to Charlie Pride when the Charlie Pride was the Pride. only black man in country music. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like I said, when Nelly came out, you know, of course, these record labels, they'll just put you where they feel your sound fits. You know what I'm saying? So they put him over in the rapper. Nelly should have been country way back in 2001. Okay. His whole country, country grammar album should have been dropped as a country, a, a country music. music. 
And, and the industry is changing too, you know. But I think you're right. I think I think you're right because in today's industry, that country grab album probably would uh, would win album of the year every absolutely. year. Absolutely, absolutely. And guess what? Then he becomes even an uh, international star. He's not labeled as a black artist. And guess what? He's starting to get that now because he's headlining tours with with mm-hmm. other artists. I think with Alabama, what's it? Florida, Alabama line. What's the, the boys that they did that single with? They blew up. But they, it's really a, a, a great sound when I look at what you're trying to do. But what's the ultimate goal, man? You, you know, you you're still in the entrepreneurial management business of these successful barbershops in California. Now you got this open mic, you know, so now you're not only, uh, you know, I think that that's why I was saying that you kind of miss that experience of being a barber in a barbershop. And that gets filled with your open mic because you really get to talk, gets to exchange your conversation and also participate in a social environment where you're entertaining people. Tell us about that open mic that's in Los Angeles and where is it located? Yeah. So uh, it's called uh, My First Fridays and it's in Lake Balboa, uh, California. It started actually started um, in the barbershop, in the flagship location of the barbershop where we would move the chairs out the way. Um, I I was playing uh, bass for a church at the time. So we had all my equipment in there and me and my band would get in there and artists would come. They jam out with us and that thing developed. So uh, First Fridays has been going on for now. Uh, It'll be 21 years in September. You know that we've been we've been doing that effort, um, but that social capital that you're talking about. I miss about. you, then, Kevin, because I was in L.A. Man, 21 years. I was in L.A. in 2000. Man, I was in L.A. since '95. How I miss yeah. you, Kelvin. 2004, man. We was we was right here in the valley, man. We was right here in the valley when it started, man. And uh, I, I I don't know, man. I'm so sorry. Uh, sorry, I miss you. I heard you on the radio. I used to hear you on the radio. Absolutely, um, man. Me and Steve, we were dominating, man. I don't know how I miss no, you, bro. Oh man, dominating and uh. And it was it was shifting uh, black culture. I remember uh, one of my primary goals was to get a hoodie award. Yeah. You know, as, as <laughs> yeah. Valley, you know, but but the, the because I was looking towards um, towards black men, towards black male leadership, uh-huh. and Steve was doing it, recognizing mm-hmm. the uh, the unsung heroes. And mm-hmm. so that's what I felt like, and, and you know, I feel pride to cut people's hair and to send them into the uh, world on their platforms with, with, with my work, you know. They got, they got all this content, all this need for content now, Kelvin, out there. Why don't we see this on a special, on a HBO Max or Amazon Prime special this first Fridays? Yeah, let's, uh, let's produce it, you know. Um, it, there has been a few opportunities over the years mm-hmm. um, to do it. Um, one was, was, was bigger than, than most. And uh, it just the business didn't work out. Uh-huh. Um, but, but then I think it was year before last, Damon Dash did a show called The Next Big Thing. Right. And when he came to L.A., they shot at my place. Wow. They shot where First Fridays takes place. They, mm-hmm. they utilize the platform. Um, so that was on, on BET. Um, Jonathan McReynolds and Molly Music. That's my boy. Just, mm-hmm. Molly Music, yeah. both of my boys. Yeah. So the Molly and Johnny tour, we were one of their virtual locations that was shot where we shoot First Fridays at. And Molly was one of the artists who would come and just sing at First Fridays. Mm-hmm. So he bring in, uh, you know, everybody kind of comes back. Um, a lot of us here in L.A., we call that the home court. So we mm-hmm. want that home court advantage. Uh, we produce content from there. Kenny Lattimore during pandemic, uh, Major, um, who was who a, a, a artist as well, you know, charting songs, uh, film content there. Uh, last Christmas or Christmas before last, Holly Berry came through the doors. Um, (laughs) and it was just like all of the work that we've done Mm -hmm. um, over these last 20 years have just been incredible and now I'm expanding that work 
in a new way to mm-hmm. where I'm not just behind the production, but I'm also behind the microphone sharing my stories of healing and, um, you know, and of triumph to, to, to everywhere. The reason I do music is the same reason I cut hair. You know, um, I really want to touch the people that change the world. And I know my music brings healing to little black boys who don't feel like they're enough. The rush what, that I, the well, what I, I like about you, man, is that, that, you know, they have multiple levels of, of inter, inter, income, multiple levels of entertainment. I always tell people when you focus on one dream, you should have many layers in that dream. And I like that. And that's why I do money making conversations so people can tell their stories because people can just see you as the host of First Fridays. No, no, no. He's more than that. They can just hear your whole conversation about doing country music, your one of your first love. No, he's more than that. They can hear your story about you just being an entrepreneur, you know, where you got these barber chains and you once was a barber and you started mm-hmm. your first Fridays there 21 years ago. When you look at all these things, how do you compartmentalize being able to be successful in all these different lanes, plus your spirit and the ability to motivate people to be successful through who you are, Kelvin? Yeah, I, I try to I try to consolidate it all to uh, to service. You know, I think my greatest uh, calling is uh, has been to serve my fellow man in 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 this life. You know, since I was a little boy, you know, uh, I used to uh, I started my haircut business when I was like ten years old. I used to cut lawns. I used to cut people's grass. Right. And I could cut the hair. My slogan was, "If you can grow it, I can cut it." You know, <laughs> it's just something that felt felt good to me to be able to uh, to do something that that people were either they, that they were willing to pay me for. You know, and um, the 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 storylines of the guys I looked up to in my neighborhood, they were, they were getting killed. They were going to jail. And I had this, this skill to, to cut stuff and make it look good, you know? So in essence, it, it kind of put my life on a different path. And, um, and I keep sit, hearing that same message, that reverb uh, playing in my life, even through my music, through my ministry, through my service to, to the public. Um, so I kind of consolidated all to one thing is that, Hey, am I serving, am I serving humanity in the best way that I can? And it, it you know, basically is God pleased with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it does change from time. Sometimes it changed by the day. Right. Uh, I got to cut somebody's hair right after this interview, you know, uh-huh. and then I got to jump on another, a call to promote the upcoming release of my, of my music. And all of that, man, I believe is in service to my highest purpose, which is to, uh, you know, to, to help my fellow man and to receive that help and love and camaraderie that come when we when we just show up authentically and take up a lot of space. So I'm going to be big, you know, and I want to leave big impact along the way. Well, as we close, let's talk about the release of your music. Tell us where we can find it. Tell us the uh, uh, the whole, are you shooting videos with each, each one of your releases? How are you doing it so we can wrap it up on a high note about your brand? See, I love the, yeah. the whole concept of what you're trying to do. But it also is key that, you know, you keep doing First Fridays. You know, you keep cutting hair. You know, I'll, I, just, I always tell people, I remember on October 9th, 1991, that day means something to me because I asked God, I said, allow me to take advantage of all my talents and I will give you 100%. Yes, sir. You know, I, seriously, I said, I will not sleep on it. I will not. You, if you tell me to write, I'm going to give you 100% right. You tell me to manage somebody, I'm going to give 100% there. Wherever you put me, I'm going to give 100%. And a lot of people, they always say, man, you just love what you do. Because he gave me an opportunity to do it. And I told him if he gave me an opportunity to do it, I'm going to give 100%. And so keep giving 100%. As we close, let's talk about that music that you've given 100% to. 
Yes, sir. So the upcoming release of my song uh, Opposite is happening on December 4th, um, which is, uh, you know, about six days from now. Um, it's a significant moment for me. It's also my 40th birthday. And I uh, I'm devoted for for uh, in my 40s, man, to, to show up in the world authentically. Um, I struggle with a lot of things. And my song Opposite is just like you um, is where I got before God. And I asked God to change me. And to give me strength to do the opposite of a destructive path that I was going to take myself on at the, uh, you know, on the heels of adversity. Um, you know, I bent and I almost folded, but God gave me strength to do the opposite. I want people to know that. Uh, so December 4th on all platforms, it is a music video as well <laughs> as a high quality, polished master copy of the recording. Um you know, vocally performed by me, uh, co-wrote the song with a uh, Grammy nominated uh, a singer and artist, my brother, Mr. Eric Bellinger. So we, we're putting all the momentum that we had around this. I'm going home to my hometown in Sacramento to do the release concert. So you'll see all over my social media, right. um, as well as other platforms. But December 4th is called Opposite Kelvin Truitt, available on all platforms, all streaming platforms, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify. If, if, if they play music there, you'll be able to find me there, man. So I'm really happy to share this message with you guys. Kelvin Truitt, when I did his opening credit, I said he's a barber to the stars. He's an interior designer, creative director, host of a popular open mic for expiring and established stars called First Friday. What I forgot to say, rising star in the yeah. music business. Kelvin, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you guys. Hey, I, I got to come out for one of those first Fridays too because I come out to LA like th three times every quarter. So I got to make sure I come in on the Thursday so I can be there on the Friday, okay? You'll be there on the Friday. And when you close it, I want you to close it. I used to close out my mornings on the Steve Harvey Morning Show where you say, man, if you can trust God, you can believe that and take that to the bank. There you go, brother. Thank you very Absolutely. much. I, you, I'm going to call you up on the stage. I want that <laughs> and I will do that for you, all right? All right, yes, everybody sir. understand. This is my man, Kelvin Truitt. He's a beast. He's a young man changing lives, being an entrepreneur on Money Making Conversation. If you want to listen to this interview or see this interview on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am the host.